Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese Podcast. I'm here with Ellie as we recap what happened in October. And we're laughing because I'm a dork and I keep messing up. And so we started with That's October. <laughs> you know, it happens. Before we get into the wine and the cheese of what happened in October, Ellie and I had talked about this, and I want to preface by saying we know that there's a lot of things happening in the world right now. A lot of things can be triggering. There's a lot of opinions, and there's a lot. Of, there's just a lot of things happening that can really kind of weigh us down and make us sad. We're not focused on. We are focused on bringing something more light, more entertaining. And before we do that, girl, let me tell you. I was like, oh my gosh, because I'm at my in-laws house right now. I'm recording from my in-laws house. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have wine. But my mother-in-law has wine. So I'm drinking like, this is how I know. <laughs> You're like, she always has wine. We're like, this is why I know. We family, we family. <laughs> and when you're having your what? Your, ca- your cafe? I'm having some, yeah, some medium roasted um, coffee. <laughs> Well, salud, salud, my friend. Cheers to you. I need this to wake me up. Yeah, well, I had my coffee already. I need <laughs> this to help me through the day. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, you know, we almost recorded this when I was at your house a couple of weeks ago. So much has happened since. I'm glad we didn't do it because it, we, we would have like literally were waiting till this episode comes out in two days. Right. So we are literally waiting till the last minute. And oh my gosh, this was super sad. And please tell me if it was the same for you. Super sad when I heard that Matthew Perry passed away, Chandler Bing of Friends. I was so sad. Like Friends, I think we were talking about this before. I said, Friends is like my my comfort show. I told Antonio that. And he was like, What do you mean your comfort show? I said, it's the show that I have on all the time. I don't necessarily need to pay attention to it because I've seen it so many times. So I could go to sleep to it. I can work to it without having to like, oh my gosh, I have to know. And I could pick up at any point and I know what's going on because I've seen it so much. So to hear that, and then if he just came out with his biography last year, like almost to the day, I think it's like he was just a couple days short of that one year anniversary of that biography dropping and I just saw this morning that the autopsy like the cause of death has been postponed due to the autopsy but basically he as what we know as of now is that he drowned in his house so sad yeah I was I didn't read his memoirs biography but it seemed like a lot of people resonated with it because he was very open and honest about his addiction hopefully the results don't come out that something happened you know I'm hoping that he had some peace after all of those years that he was able to kind of come out very publicly about his story I've been seeing a lot of people share you know their thoughts about that yeah it's so sad I I definitely agree with you with the show like putting on shows tv shows like that where you could just in the moment life stuff that they have like crazy funny in the moment stuff and not expecting stress <laughs> or any kind, you know, anything right. happen where it's like drama, where you're like 
driving up your cortisol. You're just kind of being able to enjoy it and laugh. <laughs> you said you can kind of ignore it when you want or tune in and it's like a nice white noise. So yeah. So I'm going to throw it way back before your time, because I remember when he played Sandy, Carol's boyfriend on Growing Pains. Oh, I it back. And he actually died from drinking and driving. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the show. And she was like, you know, she it was so it was just really, really crazy because there was, you know, he had said, I remember he had said, I think even in his biography, and he had been in interviews that there's seasons that he doesn't even remember filming episode. Like there's so much that he doesn't even remember filming of friends because yeah. he was so doped up and he had been in and out of rehab like over 60 times. I think like all of those pills and alcohol and everything right. like, had an effect on his health. So maybe it was all of the combinations of those years and years of abuse on his body. Sometimes we just need to get the truth out there for people to be able to understand, but also, you know, for other people to resonate. And I think, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was in the book. I think it was, I didn't read it. I like read like portions of it, but I think he said like, now that he's here, he's sober, he's everything. He really wants, like he wakes up saying, what does the world have for me? And what do I have for the world? Mm-hmm. And maybe it was giving that of himself and obviously entertain like friends is still one of the most popular shows it's been off the air for almost 20 years now mm-hmm. and it's still one of the most popular shows when I was at my job we had a tv I would have it on there like <laughs> just as my background noise yeah. that my old boss gave me like a central perk uh one no. of those those stress reliever things and a friend's yes. deck of part like so it definitely was you know rest in peace He's Matthew Perry, and he will continue to make us laugh, right? Okay, now to the lighter stuff. Who do we want to make fun of first? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so much stuff. I mean, you know, I know you mentioned that we were thinking of recording when you were here at my house, but I just want to say we had like the most fun girly sleepover. (laughs) Like, sure did. Is that two nights? Watching TV, movies, like relaxing couch, ordering in, having yummy food. Like we had, we were like, oh, do you want to go and do something? No. And so, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It was, it was just like really nice. And I was telling other friends about it. I'm like, oh my God, we have to do more like girls only sleepovers. Like it was just such a cute, nostalgic thing. It was. Oh my gosh. It was so nice. And obviously we both had things like to do individually during the day. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, let's meet up now. And then we just stayed at your place. And it was so nice to just not have to, like, just to hang out and talk and catch up. And we watched the entire Beckham documentary. Which is great. We were like, oh, we'll watch too. But it's only four parts. But we ended up staying up till like two in the morning watching because we're like, we need to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a lot. We really powered through it, but I'm actually really glad I watched it. I highly recommend it. Yeah, me too. Because honestly, I didn't really know a lot about how he grew up. First of all, I didn't know. And I I know this happens in other countries. And I know it even happens in the U.S. Like when it comes to gymnastics and different things where people like kids will move to a different city or state or whatever to train. I didn't realize that happened in soccer as well, because he basically... Manchester United was the his dad's team mm-hmm. and he got recruited at like what 10 years like very very young to start playing and, and training with Manchester United and so he had to leave his family to go in order to do that yeah. and um, not so far away because he said there was always a, his mom was saying there was always an excuse for him to come home like all the time every weekend yeah but just to see like what that training schedule is like like to be an elite athlete at such a young age and to be able to to do that I found it really interesting because like when we were talking about this when it was happening is you know when him and Victoria Beckham met they were trying to keep it like hush hush eventually it comes out and what happens and this happens here too this happens you know if he 
doesn't play what everybody thinks he should play. Like maybe he just has a bad day or a bad game. Or, oh, it's all the mm-hmm. it's it's her fault. Which really remember we were talking about that. Well, I think you had said something, and I'm like, but wait, it happens here too. It happened yeah. with Tony Romo with he was dating Jessica Simpson and Carrie Underwood. Right now, it could be happening in regards to like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Like these are elite athletes. And I get that a certain additional media attention comes when you're dating some another person that's high profile. However, like you can't blame somebody's poor performance on somebody who's not even on the field. Like, right. <laughs> right. As a distraction. You take a like, that. Yes. <laughs> like they need to be trained to deal with those kinds of distractions but you know I understand too where they're like oh you're just kind of like hyping up the media and making it all about that so you're not focused because I think it was something like because they have very strict rules around traveling and being out late and all of that is obviously understandable and so I think he would like sneak off and go fly and visit her or go like spend the whole night with her be on the phone with her all night which I was kind of like I was like, oh, I mean, don't you remember that? Don't, don't you remember the early days of your relationship when you do that? I mean, our first date, we freaking shut down the restaurant and then went to a bar because we didn't want it to end. Aww. So, I mean, I remember those days of just like, oh, you want to talk on the phone all night? Exactly. And I'm like, you need alone. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> exactly. You're like, you need your own bedroom. <laughs> Yes, leave me alone. Your snoring is driving me crazy. <laughs> I do recommend. Can we talked about that too. <laughs> Wait, I need to get the I need to get the earplugs that you recommended. So I need to like you need to send me the the ones because girl, whew, I love this man, but I do not love his snoring. <laughs> yeah, so we remember like those like times are so cute. You're up all night. You're talking to them. You can't wait to see them. Like. I don't know. It's just so funny. It's like, they're acting like parents, like trying to keep you apart. And like, we know that never works. Like, just be like, listen, get your shit together. Like, as long as you show up here and you're, you know, on top of it and you get your sleep or whatever, but it was really cool to kind of see, because I don't follow sports. I know we, you know, you and I've talked about that. I remember (laughs) I'm not a sports girly. But like, I do, you know, I don't, didn't know that much about him, obviously, besides like his name being so big and him being such a good player. So it was kind of cool to see like people's reaction when he did really well and when they blamed him when things are bad. Sorry, guys, just a lot of spoiler alerts. But yeah, the relationship (laughs) stuff was the chisme that made me want to watch it because they were hinting that they were going to talk more about it, which they did. They did. But I guess I was expecting. You thought it was going to be Victoria talking shit. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like dirt, but it was more of they're like a united front, which was nice. It was kind of nice to see that example. Anyway, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was just like, you know, they kind of presented this united front and then things would happen. Let's say he would have to kind of get traded. And then he obviously always wanted to take those opportunities. So even though he was like big family man, always talked about like in love with his wife, obsessed with her, wanted to marry her since day one dedicated father an opportunity comes up in his career he's like I'm gonna take it I don't care you guys just kind of have to to real <laughs> to go to well he got released from Manchester U mm-hmm. and then he went to Real Madrid not knowing the language and Victoria was very very honest and then me and you have this conversation as well yeah. because you're like well, why wouldn't she just pull him out there may have not been international schools at the time there may because this was you know 20 years ago this wasn't just like recent where you have a lot more people moving internationally and stuff like that even then because she was like I don't want to pull my kids out of school I want them to finish out the year I don't know the language I don't know and there was a lot of like pressure on her too, like people calling her out for stuff which I was like you know what I don't necessarily think that's fair because she's trying to put her kids first right in regards to the transition. And then when the school year ended, they didn't, she did move with the kids yeah. when the school year was over and everything. And she was even saying it was really, um, it was really difficult for her. And when she explained why it was difficult, like I said, and I think language and culture were a big part of that. 
But I will say this. I do appreciate that she recognizes that, that she was like, this was really hard and this is why. Instead of trying to make people conform to her, because we've seen that, we've talked about that previously of people going to other countries and expecting the country to conform to them. She wasn't expecting that. She wasn't expecting Spain to conform to what her what she wanted. She was like, it's going to be hard for me to conform and I want to get, you know, yeah. everything situated before we move. So yeah, I will say I do appreciate that she was very, that she was really honest about that. And she was talking about how hard it was, like how mm-hmm. hard that move was. Yeah. Um, and then obvious, and then obviously he had that, he has the opportunity to come to LA because it was so interesting seeing like the reason he left Man U was this assistant coach, right? Who he really didn't get along with and who like was part of him getting released. That ends up being one of the coaches that he gets in Real Madrid. And then this other coach comes and tells David Beckham he's never going to step foot on the soccer field again. And then he was like, all right, fine. And that's when he makes the whole thing to come to LA Galaxy. And then they do put him in because they have kind of no choice, right? Something happens. They have no choice. They put him in. He starts winning games again. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Stay here. And he's like, I'm done. You didn't want me. I'm out. And I respect that. Yeah. Like he knew his, I will say this. He knew his worth in every single thing that he went to. Yeah. He was just always kind of confident about like, this was like a lesson or this happened or like, not like loyalty. Like he was like, I'm loyal, but he's like, "Mm, I don't want to forget what happened to me. Like this guy was benching him. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell that his heart was like with them, but he was just like, um, I just love that he was always down for a new adventure. And it was really fun to yeah. see once he went to LA, even though that team was trash. <laughs> no, that's kind of how they described it. Back then he yeah. was like, they just talked about the whole like Hollywood and all the celebrities out and he's amongst the celebrities and these are all the people out with him. And it was kind of cool for me because I'm not from LA. And so now being here in for like, three years or something I'm like oh like this is where everything is and this is what's going on so that was kind of a really fun moment to watch as well like how he kind of got swept up into Hollywood and people were like obsessed with him um and her too yeah. so it was, it was really well fun. the other thing the other thing that they were saying was that they could kind of blend in a little bit more because there was people so much bigger than that yeah you know exactly. living there so they could kind of live more of a regular life than they had ever lived before in LA because you have movie stars and television Mm -hmm. stars and all this and they kind of could do things a little bit easier yeah Um, so then he ends up going to Paris but now he's part of the Miami team in regards to part of ownership and he's recently brought one of the if not the biggest one of the biggest soccer stars uh, Leo Messi from uh, Argentina and Leo Messi is now played like so soccer is now be, like I know women's soccer is really getting big like our San Diego wave they sell out every time I'm actually going to go to one of their playoff games I'm so excited I've been to several games they sell out all the time and then you have Angel City FC in LA which is owned by a bunch of celebrities and those games are getting really big so I feel like Women's soccer in particular, I'm sure we're getting, San Diego's getting an MLS team soon uh, in 2025, I believe. So soccer is definitely growing. It's definitely, and when you bring superstars like David Beckham and Leo Messi, and who knows who else is going to come, right? Because I feel like these superstars feel like they can get more here because they're building. Right. Right. And they can, they feel like they can get part ownership, part this, part that, like, they get to they get to call the shots a little bit more for themselves. Who knows who's next? Yeah, coming over here. But they but those people they bring in the crowds. They you know David Beckham brought in the crowds. Leo Messi is any game he's at they, that game is selling out wherever he travels to. I would so, love to go. And not that you know, like not that you're a big sport. Not that you're a sports person. Or I mean, I'll, I'll, go, that I'll go for stuff like that. And and um, I would love to go in Miami. I mean, people go bananas over there, especially Miami is like Latin America, basically. (laughs) So I'm sure that would be a fun experience. Yes. 
wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. Well, you know who the Beckhams have always been close to are Will and Jada. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> Will and Jada. Uh, I'm like so curious uh, how people feel about them because it's just been like years of the memes and the jokes of like, why must we hear everything about this couple that we didn't ask for? <laughs> and it always comes from Jada. It doesn't come from Will. It always comes from Jada. Let me just say, I really, when they were first, for years and years, I really like, I, I thought, okay, like they've done some unconventional things. Okay, cool, whatever. It's none of my business if they have an open relationship or not. Who am, like, I don't care. Like to me, that never matters. Then the whole thing with August Messina, when that first, you know, her entanglement. And let me just say, when he, when Will was on Red Table Talk, he was like, no, it wasn't an entanglement. He was like, he made her be like, it wasn't a thing. He wasn't like, it, he was like, no, no, no. It was a relationship. It wasn't a thing. He's like, it, he kept, like, I really appreciated that he was like, what is this entanglement bullshit? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, just because you change the word doesn't make the actions any different. And then it comes out. Now she's saying that they've been separated since 2017 or 2016. I don't know, 2016, I guess. I don't know when the entanglement happened. I don't care about the timeline. But like Will still refers to, I think that Will found out that they've been separated when she said <laughs> He's like, Okay, this is news to me. Yeah, because she was like, I don't know why he's calling me his wife. And I'm like, "Mm, maybe because that's what he, in his head, you're his wife. You're still married. Like, you know, and then because he's not really come out with any public statement. The only thing he's really ever, the only thing he said was something to the effect of like, after reading this book, he he wishes that she would have been hugged more. And that he's going to be there to do it. But it it wasn't like he didn't really state anything, mm-hmm. yes or no. Just like, you know, she she obviously needs more love and I'll provide that love type of thing. So to me, I will say this. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I feel like a lot's been said. I'm really sick of it. Like, I, if I talk about my fiance, the way she continues to talk about Will, he would leave my ass in a heartbeat. As he should. <laughs> like, how would Owen feel if you talked about him the way Jada talks about Will? Yeah, it's really bad. Did you read his book? Mm-mm. Okay, so I read his book and, uh, well, I have the audio books. So I think I listened to it through like twice already in the past few years since it came out. And it's really good. It's really thoughtful. Like, he owns up to anything he's done that's really messed up or sexist or when he was in a bad place or his head got too big. He talks a lot about all of the things that he used to do for her. Cause it sounds like, you know, he would throw these like crazy, beautiful birthday parties for her and all of this stuff. And then she would always be upset at him and it was never enough. And he never blamed her. He always would say like, she felt that I was making it about me. And, you know, I guess I was and all of this stuff. And so what I've heard from about her book and what it seems like the vibe with her that people are kind of tired of is like, she doesn't really have, like, she's always kind of blaming whatever the situation is and she doesn't ever kind of take true ownership. And there's this woman, Shan Boudram, Shan Bowie, she has a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. She did an episode and I was like, I don't know if I want to listen to this or not, but she basically was like, instead of having her on, she read the book and she actually had her parents come on, which is what I love about her. She has like family members, husband, sister, whatever, in-laws. She had her parents come on because her parents had a really toxic, like they've been together 40 years on and off, same situation where they're like together, but they're not together. And anyway, all of this stuff, but she kind of had them chime in and share about their relationship. And she was just saying from her perspective, like she was reading Jada's book and she goes, the problem is, is like, there is no accountability. So it's hard to read because she's always kind of saying like, well, this happened to me and this happened to me. And she never actually kind of admits anything. So I think that that sounds like that's kind of the problem. And that's why people are always saying she's like a narcissist. 
but who knows, you know, it's like, we always have, we always have to be careful of like the sexism that we all have within us. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And I always liked Jada because I always thought like she's very powerful. She speaks like how it is and everything. But then I'm like, nah, she kind of speaks in like double entendres. You know what I mean? Like she speaks kind of out of the side of her mouth. She says like uh, when she was doing that interview with Hoda Kotti from the Today Show, she was like, you're a straight shooter. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, and unless you're not. Yeah. What do you mean you're a straight shooter unless you're not? That makes, to when I was like, when she said that, I was like, that makes zero sense. You're a straight shooter until you're not. That means you're yeah. not a straight shooter. And the fact for me is it sounds like, and I don't know their history whatsoever, but it sounds like one has gone to therapy and one <laughs> thinks they're a therapist. You're right. <laughs> right? <laughs> like it feels, that's how it comes off to me. Yeah. It sounds like Will's gone through therapy. He had strong women in his life. I think that's what drew him to Jada in the first place. But then also, I think he's just the way he speaks. And I think, you know, he owned up to what happened with the Chris Rock thing and everything. I think 10 years is way crazy to ban him, Mm -hmm. especially with so many other things that people have done that they don't have that issue. But also, I think Jada. In her mind, Jada thinks she's the Shiro. You know what I mean? Which we all should be the, you know, the hero or the Shiro in our own things. But you have to admit your faults. And I think you're right when you say like, you don't ever hear her admit her faults. Even when she was talking about the August Messina thing that's, you know, years ago on her on Red Table Talk, she kept talking about how she wasn't getting what she needed from Will and she was this and she wasn't calling it an affair. She was calling it an entanglement. Again, still not fully owning up until Will was like, no, no, no. Call it what it was. It was a relationship. It was an affair. We know he's not perfect either, but he's also not out there flaunting all that stuff, right? And he's not trashing his wife. He's not saying like, I feel like every time, especially the last few years, every time Jada speaks, She's emasculating. She speaks in terms that make that make people think that make people first of all feel sorry for Will Smith. I think, and I think that's unfortunate. Like, if she was using different words and different phrases, I don't think it would have to be. Yeah. Right. But the words and the phrases that she chooses to use make people feel sorry for Will Smith, and then make people not be on her side. And it feels like it's a very emasculating talk because she is. And I'm, I wonder if it's like she thinks I'm such, like I'm such a strong woman, but this is how it needs to be because I feel like she fully runs that relationship. Mm-hmm. Whatever she says in that relationship, go. Which is fine if you're not talking trash about your spouse. <laughs> right. Uh, I think I mean, uh, publicly, like we all have our own things, right? Me and you have talked about like things in our relationships that we all have those things that we want to punch our partners in the face. We're not really, you know, we're like, yeah, I know there's things that he wants to be like, you're freaking ridiculous. And he tells me, you know, but nothing like I wouldn't be on here going, Oh my gosh, you guys, let me tell you. Oh, it's just crazy. Especially when he's doing something thoughtful for her. But anyway, I guess like, the summary of this is just we all feel tired of being sold images and fake relationships or whatever for people to kind of make money off of public perception. And then when we start to see the reality, I think that's the part that is just becoming exhausting. Like I don't, I just, I'm over it. And that's a theme and like so many other things that we're going to cover today. Like we could talk about next, you know, we're going to talk about uh, Golden Bachelor a little bit. That funny thing, it's like, to me, that's the overall theme. It's just like, stop selling me. <laughs> stop selling me on things and then switching what you're doing. You know, like it just all feels very dishonest and it's exhausting. And we're just in that like kind of like switch. capitalistic moment right now with everything. Yeah. Yes, I'm just exhausted by it. Well, speaking of, like, have you been watching The Golden Bachelor? I haven't watched it. 
No, I haven't watched it, but I follow a lot of therapists and podcasters and stuff who love to talk about relationships. Like it's just something I'm really interested in and always like, oh, how do you make your family relationships better? Your romantic ones work, whatever. And so they're constantly sharing whenever there's big moments on the regular bachelor. And so now I'm hearing them talk about the golden bachelor. And so I haven't watched it because I'm like, I don't really want to watch the bachelor, but I just know in terms of what's different about it is that people feel like it's a refreshed take because it's not like young people trying to become influencers, which is a lot of what these like love reality shows have, you know, like love is blind. Oh my God. You just feel like this is so fake. This is so exhausting because we know that they just want to treat people horribly, get famous, cash in on like the social media following. So it feels more innocent. It feels like an innocent take, like, oh, like basically the, I can tell you a little bit about the backstory, even though I haven't actually watched the episodes yet. But yeah, it's this man, he's in his seventies. He's widowed. He had like, you know, supposedly says it was like the love of his life. She passed away. She was sick. And then now he's like ready to find love. And he has like, I think it's also really cute because he has like his daughters and his granddaughters and stuff, you know, who are like, come on, let's do this. And they watched the, he used to watch the show. He basically said in interviews that he used to watch The Bachelor just because he wanted to like have something to talk about with them because they were always talking about it. So I just found that very <laughs> that's kind of how it all happened but he had like an age limit for how he wanted the can the women candidates to be it's not like he has like 30 and 40 year olds on like he's having I think it's like 65 to 75 year old women come on the show as candidates and so I think that's just been like very sweet and endearing for all of us to watch and enjoy again like oh look like this seems like it could be real I mean listen you never know the guy could turn around and now say that he wants to be an actor. <laughs> he did it for his platform. Yeah. Everybody ha- always has an agenda. You know, but it feels so right. So I, I think I, I saw him on like Kelly and Mark or something. And I saw him on something. I don't even yeah. remember what show. But basically he was saying that there was women that were like from 60 to 75, I guess. And that he said that he was, he tended to find more in common and be more attracted to the older women because he's like I feel like I have more in common with them than you know somebody who's 60 years old and I was like bravo sir bravo because like you said like I think when you're when you're even my age right like I'm newly engaged I'm planning a wedding I'm in my mid-40s and this is I'm doing this for the first time And I think it's very different than if I was in my 20s, right? Girl, I look back in my 20s and there's no way. I got proposed to twice. I think fully I said no twice. Hmm. But I, there's no way I would have, like the first time I got proposed to, I think I was 21, the first time I got proposed to. And he was 28 or 29. Was wow. And there is no way. I would have been ready. I mean, at that time, I thought, oh, I, I, that time I thought this was going to be the man that I was, I mm-hmm. was fully in love with him and everything. But looking back, I was not ready. There's no way. And I'm so glad. So when you have these like 20, 21, 20, like 20 to 25 year old girls, and I say girls, I do say girls, and I'm not going to shy away from that because I was still a girl at that time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, uh, my personal opinion, don't even get married till you're in your 30s. Like, have fun. Have, like, when I, you know, that I've heard girls like 22 years old go, when am I going to find him? And I'm like, I want to just slap him across the face. Brit, snap out of it. Live your damn life first. You've not lived any life because, you know, just think about it for the first half of your life or not even the first half, the first 18 years of your life, you're going to school, you're living with your most people. Obviously, there's always those outliers, extenuating circumstances and everything like that. But we're being taken care of a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if you're the oldest child and Latina, you're still being taken care of in some sort because you're not paying for rent. You're not you might be helping with the with your brothers and sisters, but, but I mean, it's just 
you know, we're, you know, our job is to go to school, is to maybe go to pet sports. Maybe you do have an outside job. Maybe you do help your family, but you're, you shouldn't be. And most people aren't the sole providers for their family going through school. I get that college isn't for everybody, but I think when you need to take that time to learn who you are, because I always say, and this is my opinion, if you're going to, if you decide to go to college or at any point in your life, you need to move away from your family to find out who you really are. Because I think when we stay so close to our family all the time, we tend to absorb their opinions. We tend to absorb their you know, like everything is kind of about family. And look, I moved away for 15 years. I came back. I live about an hour and a half, hour, 15, hour and a half from my parents for the perfect amount. They can't yeah. just come and surprise me. <laughs> I got to learn who I am away from my family. I got to learn, like, what are the things for me that make me tick? What are the things that I have a strength at? What are the things that I need to be better at? And I would, don't think I would have found that had I stayed so close in proximity to my family or lived with my family until I grew up. Can you imagine if I lived with my family until I got married? I'd barely be moving out of my damn house. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And it's it's just so, it's so different for every culture. Like I think about some like friends of friends who come from more of... Um, I guess like a, maybe like a Muslim background or whatever, where like a lot of men and I, you know, I mean, there's lots of culture that's do this, but like men who like people are just not allowed to leave the house until they get married. And you're mm-hmm. like, if that's the case, they're not, like you said, learning about themselves. They're not learning how to cook for themselves. They're not learning how to have a little bit of that, that independence. They're kind of used to be used to being taken care of. And it takes a few years of trial and error to learn that. <laughs> Um, it I does. Yeah, I totally agree with you that. Um, I mean, but you know, it's just it's it's hard to do that. And I think today with crazy prices, it feels like it's not sustainable. Like, how can people go out and get an apartment? Oh, that's a whole other thing. But <laughs> girl, San Diego just got named the most expensive city to live oh in the United States. Gosh, that's crazy. And I, it, it really irritates me because honestly, during the pandemic, a lot of people went to San Diego. Mm. It is beautiful. It is amazing. I grew up there. I don't want to leave San Diego. I love being in San Diego County and being in San Diego. Um, but, you know, you have all of these people and, and we've talked about it before in regards to not just all these people moving, but then you have like these places coming in, these capital venture companies or whatever venture capital companies coming in, scooping in, buying neighborhoods, holding on, driving up prices, like all of this. Buying things with and cash. Not, buying things with cash. And then it reflects on other things, like other prices, right? Everything right now is expensive. And then you get to like, you want to do something fun for yourself and like go to a Bad Bunny concert. And then you're having to pay $300 to be or more to be in the nose. Yeah, let's actually talk about that because I pulled up the prices just to see because, you know, go on Instagram. Everyone's talking about the prices being crazy. And I was like, are they really that crazy? So I looked it up in the crypto arena slash former Staples Center in L.A., in March, it is, this is nosebleeds all the way up on the very, very, very top section 301 verified resale ticket, $600 plus fees. Now, look, I will say this last year when he was in San Diego, I think I could have gone, like I could have gone $500 for a ticket, but I think it was like really close. Mm-hmm. And I was asking my friend, I didn't end up going. I was like, no, I want to buy a house. $500 is not that much towards a house, but it's more than nothing. So let me not do that. I was asking my friend who's been a Bad Bunny fan for years. I said, was the audience changed? She goes, girl, the audience was already changing. Hmm. The audience was already changing at that time. And I can only imagine now with the candle Jenga effect. <laughs> I would be really interested to see what the audience is going to look like because people that I know that I love him, love him. 
first of all, they said like it's he's kind of gone back to those track roots, right? Like this album has kind of gone back to that. But then and then I think in one of the songs he's talking about like knowing your work. How about know your audience? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or maybe he doesn't, I mean, from what has been happening recently, he doesn't give a crap about his audience and you tapping into a whole new audience mm-hmm. and uh, with the candle Jenga effect, I would be really interested to see what this, like who comes out to these concerts now, like yeah. what that dynamic is going to look like. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I'm not a big concert person because I feel like I want to be, I need to feel like the interaction and the engagement from the crowd, from the front, like I kind of have to feel like culturally, like, I don't know, like I'm just excited. And I feel like the people that I think do that, which he's growing away from, you know, like you said, is people like, you know, for Dominicans, like Romeo Santos, who's bachata, somebody who's never crossed over, but has still gone mainstream. Like that still feels like very authentic. Everyone that's there is like singing all the lyrics, is dancing, they know it. And to me, like, I'll pay for that, but I've never been nosebleeds for that amount. Like, I've been able to go, like, bring my mom, bring friends, whatever. But this just feels like it's not going to feel like that type of experience. But I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Again, that's like another one. I know we've talked about him before, just feeling like he kind of used this community supportive side of himself being for us just for marketing. I felt that way. So again, that's why a lot of us feel so like tricked. (laughs) So I'm over him right now. I haven't even heard his songs or his new album. Maybe I'll come back to it. But as of now, I feel over it. Do you think that Mama Jenner has had some, you think she's had her hands in the pot and, and has had an effect in regards to like, you should ask for more, honey. You should ask for more, sweetie. You deserve more, sweetie. I'm you think sure that she that, has her hands in there. Oh, definitely. I mean, he was in a Gucci ad with uh, Kendall, so that definitely Kendall. was. We don't. We it's Kendall Gen- Kendall Jenga. Oh, Kendall Jenga. <laughs> so we know that obviously the mom was involved with all of that. Um, the momager. So yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I feel I feel really over it and kind of taking a break from that whole situation. <laughs> enjoying other people there's so many other artists to enjoy there's there's a lot to go around true that well I know we were you were asking me the other day you haven't watched it a million miles away yes it is a story of a Latino farm worker to astronaut I saw me and Antonio saw it such a good movie you need to watch it but what I was telling you is I really want him on the podcast if anybody knows how we could get him on the podcast let me know because uh, he actually has his own brand of wine now. And I was like, perfect. Hello, let's talk all of the things, right? Let's promote this. And also, well, I don't know. But also, like, let's talk about your wine. Let's promote your wine. Right? But I would say it's on Hulu, I think. Right? Yeah, it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, definitely watch A Million Miles Away. It's a really good, like, I think it's, it's really good, not only for the effect, it just shows perseverance. Yeah. And how like he got turned down for NASA so many times. And he was like, what else do I need to do? Like, oh, I need to do this. Like, I need to, I need to know this. Let me take classes. Oh, I need to know this. Let me get my PhD. Let me get my master's. Let me get my PhD. Like he had a dream. And I think I love this, right? Is he had this dream of becoming an astronaut when he, when he was a little kid. And he, no matter what the circumstance, he knew he was destined for the stars, literally. The fact that he didn't let all of these things that could have totally derailed him do that, he kept so strong in his motivation and his perseverance and his vision. And he had a partner played by Amy Gonzalez, who I also one of the she was so supportive in regards to like you can do this on the and there were even though there were times of strife between them she was like it's gonna be okay you're gonna do it you're gonna do it and I think 
that was really lovely to see because so I think so oftentimes, and we see that in Flaming Hot as well, and Gonzalez is in that movie as well. We see that in Flaming Hot as well in regards to having these very loving, supportive Latino relationships, mm-hmm. right? Where we, and these particular stories, we're seeing the women being super supportive, but I think it's also important to mention like how important it is for the man to be so supportive. Like, for example, even me right now, completely converting over to all things podcast and events and everything. Antonio is super supportive. He's super, like, we have times where it's not easy, where we have times where money is not, is very tight. But he's like, you need to pursue this dream. I believe in you. I know this is going to be big for you. Like, I want you to do it. And I think we need to see more of those types of relationships instead of like, and they are realistic relationships. They, yeah, where it goes I think we just way. like, yeah. You know, we were talking about Will and Jada and how like toxic that relationship seems to be at this point. But like, why don't we celebrate and talk about these relationships that you go through a lot of things. I mean, my parents have gone through a lot of stuff and they've been together 41 years now. You should have your parents on. Or 42 years now. 42 years now. Would your parents um, do a <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If they, like, my dad's not a talker, so I don't know. Maybe if I got a few beers in him, he'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me about your relationship. How do you guys do it? That would be so cute. Yeah, I, I love oh, it. Oh, gosh. Or maybe um, Jose Hernandez. I mean, he's from California, the guy who is... Uh, True story is based on about yeah, yeah. Who astronaut. He, I don't know if you saw because I saw parts of the movie because we, you know, kind of had it on. It's on Amazon Prime, by the way. But oh, Amazon Prime. Um, I can't remember if it was on Hulu or Amazon. I know it's not on Hulu. So if you, he actually had. I don't know if you saw. He had a cameo. Yes, I saw <laughs> that because I was told Antonio, "That's really him. That's him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was really cute. Um, so. Yeah, it was, but like you said, there was, um, like I said, I didn't watch the whole thing so you could talk more about it, but he was also supporting his wife in her having a restaurant and he would come to her and wash, be the dishwasher, like, you know, all, all of these things that he was kind of doing to support her in real life. And Michael Peña, who is the actor, I remember a few years ago, I actually heard a podcast episode with him where he was talking about his career. So I'm really happy that all of this is happening to him where he's got his own movie that he's starring in. That seems to be doing really well because he always. He, Can I tell you something though? What? He's a Scientologist. Oh, oh no! I know. And his wife was Tom Cruise's assistant for a long time. I think. Oh no! I know. When I found that out, I found that out several years ago, and I was so sad. Like literally, I was like, "No, seriously." So you think he's in it for the for sorry the uh, I, sorry, connections? I, <laughs> sorry, I I burst anybody's bubble. I was so sad too because I love him, and it just I hear that and it always makes me think differently of them. You know what I mean? Uh, I, your face completely changed when I told you that. I know. I was like, is that really true? It's totally oh, dropped. Boy. Yeah. Okay. Well. But still watch the movie, still rep- you still got to represent. Um, you know, I actually went, when I was staying at your house, that thing that I went to, that Latin Talks that I went to, um, Richard Montañez from Flaming Hot, he was one of the speakers. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, so it was really cool to hear him. And let me share a couple of things that he shared, which I wrote down because I thought it was really good. Oh, wow. He said, capitalism is built on the backs of the poor. Because they say there isn't enough room on the top. There's plenty of room on the top. It's the bottom that's crowded. Wow. And I was like, oh, yes, I love that. And then he says, um, and he says, you can own a good car, but own a great house. Like, because I'm not a big car person. I would rather have a nice house and everything and a, a decent car, right? And then he says, Poor people think, I mean, I was just taking, obviously, these are just kind of bullet ones. He says, poor people think about money. Rich people think about buying things. But wealthy people think of ideas. And I was like, 
I, yeah, I really like that. And then he said, creativity builds opportunity and opportunity attracts resources. Wow. Because that's how people get resources. And then he said, all you need is one revelation to create a revolution. And a revelation is an idea hidden in plain sight. So when like him creating the Flaming Hot Cheetos, something that like Mexican, particularly Mexicans, right? Love spicy food. I know you are not Mexican and I know you don't like spicy food. <laughs> but I was just like, oh my gosh. And it was just really nice. Like it was really good to hear from somebody who's created this success. And it's still there. He's like, look. And he was even said like, look, this is a, I don't know. He's like, this is a whatever, Louis Vuitton suit. This is a blah, blah, blah. He's like, my belt's from Walmart. I still keep it hood. Like, <laughs> like he's just, like, just joking. He's like, you still got to keep it hood. But um, we need to continue to hear these stories, these success stories of people from communities and color who just continue to persevere and know that there is room for us, right? Like he said, it's crowded at the bottom, the top that there's room and that's where we need to go and we cannot give up. Right. So we were talking about this last time and let's just end on some funny, silly things because we're like, let's do these am I the asshole things, right? <laughs> yes. So I'm interested. In, so I haven't read this. So this is going to be the first time I'm reading this and then we can, because you, you had given me a link and it's, am I the asshole for driving away without my wife because she can't plan? <laughs> says, for the past week, my wife and I had been anticipating a baseball game for which we'd purchased tickets. We like baseball, but we don't attend many games, so traveling to the city to see games is a rare treat. I know, though, that it would take, the take time to drive there and find park and do the track. Because the game started at 7 and we live about 45 minutes from the stadium, I told her this morning, she needed to be ready and, and get in the car by 6 p.m. I would have said earlier. Well, my wife is an avid gamer, so she was engrossed in her latest video game when the clock struck 5.45. She has struggled to plan in the past, and I get tired of reminding her that she needs to budget time to get ready. It's as if she has no concept of time at all, similar to a young child. Well, I was ready to go by 6 p.m. and she was in the bathroom. I saw this as an opportunity to teach her personal responsibilities, so I simply left the house without saying a word, got in the car, and started driving to the game. Okay, that's where I think, hmm. It took my wife a few minutes to figure out what I had done, but when she called me, she was absolutely furious. She said that it was a completely unacceptable move for me to leave without telling her and that she had no way to get to the game without paying for parking. I told her that I got tired of constantly waiting for her and that she would plan better next time if she didn't want to get left behind. I also reminded her that I had told her that morning when I expected her to be ready to leave. Absolutely none of this seemed to matter though and she rudely hung up on me after yelling out more insults. Frankly, I think it's completely insane that a grown woman is unable to budget her time and I'm starting to suspect that she's doing this on purpose because she's a narcissist who expects me to accommodate her. Oh, Lordy, everybody brings out the narcissist card. After all, she's not a dumb woman. She has a science degree. Well, she never showed up to the stadium and I didn't hear from her the whole game. But when I got home, there was a note on the door. She told me that I wasn't welcome in the bedroom and that I should sleep on the couch. I can't believe she wants to be this much of a pill. If I had waited for her, I would have missed the first pitch. I made my expectations clear and she couldn't be bothered to meet. I feel like she should be apologizing to me. Am I the asshole? I think he's partially the asshole. What do you think? I don't think he is, actually. So I'm excited to debate this. <laughs> okay. I think that he made the mistake without saying, hey, I'm going to leave. Like, you're not ready. I'm leaving. I think by just leaving, mm -hmm. that was an asshole move to just leave, right? There's times where I'm upset or Antonio's upset, or whatever, but I'm still going to tell him I'm leaving, right? He'll still tell me he's leaving. And the fact that he's kind of calling her names, kind of an asshole move as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not somebody, look, I, my parents did not run on Latino time. 
they're the weirdos. They're mm-hmm. the weirdos of the family where you said be here at six o'clock, they'd be there at 545. And I'm like, why are you guys here? So why do you want to leave so early? How many times have I left with chunkless in my hand, my hair stopping wet, running out the door because my friends are leaving. But, and also I am a sports person. So no, nah, that's not going to be, that's not my MO, right? Like I'm like, let's go. Even today coming to my mother, my mother-in-law's, we had to be here. And I was like, <laughs> and he was at the restroom. And I'm like, it's the time we gotta go. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely think she probably needed to learn the lesson, but I also think he, but then again, then he's calling her a narcissist. He's calling yes. her a pill. I feel like there's more to that than just, like, it just feels like there's more to that than just the tardiness thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, and he's like, I set my expectations. Like, he's a, like, and he even called her a little kid. So I feel like it's like a parent-child yeah. dynamic going on. Right. And he's like, she's um, She's so involved with her game. And I'm like, welcome to our life, usually. <laughs> yeah. I think you make really good points. And it's important to be thoughtful with the other person. I think you're right. Like, I don't love the vibe of, like, calling her a narcissist, saying, like, oh, she's such a little kid sometimes. She can't manage her time. It is frustrating. I think also coming from like a mental health perspective or even just like like 80, like being an ADHD person myself, struggling with time. <laughs> time is like doesn't exist. People don't understand unless you have that type of brain where you always think you have more time and you're like not exactly sure how to track it. So actually people do kind of have to be harsh with you with being like, if you're not out at this time, you're done. Like you know, I, so I, I understand that. I think you're right. I think he could have been like, he said his expectation, like, Hey, I want to be there to enjoy the whole game. Obviously doesn't sound like she cares as much as he does. So he has to be like, be out the door at this time. Cause I don't want to miss, uh, I don't want to miss it. Like I never get to go to the game. It's farther out. We don't always enjoy this. I want to enjoy this with you. You need to be in the car and be out at this time. And it's annoying to feel yeah. like somebody all the time to be like, get ready. <laughs> let's go because I've been there you know how it is where you're like I just want to go and do this I don't want to have to kind of be on top of you I want to worry about me so yeah. I get it. but I mean I've done that before I've just been like if you're not here I'm out and that's fine but if you want to come I'm giving you a heads up that I'm going to be in the car in 10 minutes yeah I think you could have said that too like hey it's 5 45 I'm planning on being in the car at six I'm gonna just saying something like if you're not ready I'm I gotta go and yeah. then you're giving her, and then at least she could have said, okay, like, look, I'm hurrying up and, you know, giving her the opportunity. Cause look, us ladies, sometimes I do too, even though I tend to be an on-time person, there's, but it takes them phone you like five minutes to get ready, which is so yeah, yeah. annoying. It takes men. So they're like, oh, I'm ready. And I'm still finishing. And he's like, I'm ready right. when you are. And I've been getting ready for the past, like, 30 minutes right yeah exactly and I'm like you're like so I gotta start an hour and a half earlier <laughs> than you and and some of the things we're saying like yes the asshole I wouldn't have blamed you for leaving but you should have told her and if it on your shoes I'm leaving how hard is that who cares if she's quote-unquote dumb or has a science degree it has nothing to do with punctuality and it can happen to anyone to not see time go by and he says she has a science degree we don't know what she actually does for a living Right. So maybe like the gaming is what relaxes her. Maybe that's like, we don't know what that is. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm seeing a lot of people saying, okay, look at somebody says, you sound like you really just like your wife. And then he's put all of the things that said, like, it's yeah. like she has no concept of time, similar to a young child. I saw this was an opportunity to teach her responsibility. Like you're not her dad. You're not her parents. That's how it feels. Like he, yeah. like I said, that it feels like it's a very parent child. At least that's how he's coming across. But again, here's my brain, right? If I want to be there first pitch, and look, Antonio is super fan. He always wants to be there early, but there's been times where something has happened. We missed the first pitch. But I will say this if you're 45 minutes away, the game starts at seven, you should have been leaving at 5 30, not six o'clock. Because if it's a 45 minute drive with traffic, there's actually going to be more because there's more people going into the city or wherever you, the city you're in. And then you still have to find park. Personally, I would have left at 530. 
not six o'clock. Like, so I would have left fast at 5.30. That's where you did the wrong thing. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been like, you know what? You said six o'clock, I'm saying 5.30. You not ready at 5.30? Bye. (laughs) Yeah. I thought this was a fun one because it is like, there's truth in it, but there's also things that it was messed up for him to do. And it also, it does seem like he kind of hates her and he's over it. But it is just a good one because it's so relatable. And we're always like, how do you do this to someone? Yeah. When they do struggle with like time management like that, it's really hard to deal with. Yeah. No, I mean, for the most part, we're both good. I will say that. Um, But I have been with people who weren't and that was annoying. And it's usually other girlfriends that I'm just like, you guys, like, yeah, come on. Like we said, we have a reservation at this time. You knew that, but I wouldn't just leave. I would tell them. And there's been times where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I got it. We got to get, we got it. You can meet us there later. I just, we can't be doing it. We're grown. We're grown. Right. Right. So I get that to a certain extent. So I understand that because again, I, and I'm that person who, if I'm going to be five minutes and it all is dependent on the group, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a family thing, I just show up when I show up. But I don't show up, you know, and then depending on the group of friends, because I know like my Laotian friends, if I show up on time, I'm going to be spending the next hour to help them set up, <laughs> which most of the time I don't mind. I'll, I'll get there like a half hour late and then I'm still helping set up. I don't care. That's not a big deal to me. But then there's some people like if I'm going to like my friend, a friend who's white, I'm there on time. <laughs> I don't get there late. Because I'm like, they start on time and end early, at least in my experience. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it always just depends. But I'm definitely that person who's like, like I said, even this morning, I was like, we got to go. It's, you know, because we wanted to be on the road by 730. And I'm like, it's 748. We got to go. What are you doing? And he's yelling at me, I'm going to get back (laughs) down. To have a conversation Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited to do these. There was one that got deleted. It looks like it got deleted. That I I want to do. That. Let's do it next time. But they have a bunch on weddings. And I, so I felt like that would be fun with your wedding coming up in a few months. Like, okay, we can do some about weddings. And I think this one was about inviting, um, like a friend's spouse to the wedding or something. And the weddings are, you know, there's always a lot of drama around like guest lists and things to do. So we should definitely find one on a wedding next time. Yeah, there was one. And I will say this. It was like, am I, because I, I did pull it up. It was, am I the asshole for making my sister pay me for a mirror her child broke? And I will say this. I wouldn't even have to ask my sisters. My sister who has my four nephews. This was, and I'll just be brief on this one. It says, had a birthday party at my house and my one and a half year old niece broke a brand new mirror in our bedroom upstairs. My sister left her child unsupervised upstairs in our house and let her wander in our bedroom. This was an area which was not being used for the party, merely accessible so that guests could use the restroom or leave their coats, bags out of the way on the bed. I asked my sister to replace the mirror, which was not massively expensive at $60, which she did so begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. But now she has a massive problem with me and won't talk to me as she thinks I'm unreasonable for asking me. The mirror was leaning against her wall, and therefore she thinks it's our fault. However, her toddler should not have been left alone. I'd ask, no. And my sister, like in my case, my sister would have been like, what? Like, no, that just wouldn't have happened. I'll just say with my sister, it wouldn't have happened. She would have been like, oh my God. Like, I would have been really concerned about my nephews or my nieces. I would have been like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And then my sister would have been like, don't worry, I'll replace you. Right. Which to me would have been like the secondary thing as long as my niece or nephew was okay. And they'd be like, all right, cool thing. So I don't think that sister was asshole. I think the asshole sister was the one who's like not talking to her because she, that's how people position mirrors. People don't position mirrors on walls before they leave them against. Yeah, mirrors are really heavy. Like depending on the size of it, you don't want to hang it up because I feel like that's, and sometimes you move them around. Like we have one here that's a really huge one that we had to move up because of this foster dog that I have downstairs. So I just moved it up. But also you can't really have the expectation that you, somebody else's house is house proofed for your children. 
like your house, you know, you're aware of that because your children live there. But if you take your kids somewhere else, you can't really expect that, you know, it's ready for little kids to be there all the time. And you have to kind of act accordingly or, or, you know, keep an eye on your kids. Yeah. So that was the last one. I just saw that and I was like, oh, that would not be happening. Like, yeah, yeah, because even like my best friend who her, my, her daughters call me Piaget, like I consider them my nieces. Uh, again, my first concern would have been their safety. Are they okay? And I think in any case, they would have been like, don't worry, we'll replace them there. Like, I wouldn't even have to ask. Right. So it just, that, it makes me wonder what kind of a true relationship her and her sister. Yeah. Sibling. But that's it. We got through October. Did it. And I'm going to have, um, oh my gosh, so November. You know, we have some some cool episodes coming out. We have some triggering and triggering episode that's going to come out as well. It's a really important conversation, but it, it can be very triggering, not for myself, but for women who have had peri and postpartum depression. And then I have one, a really fun one with Tita Zuleta that literally we were talking for like two hours. Wow. But it, we were just... And now I'm like, okay, do I split that up or do I just do one big episode? And then, oh my gosh, holidays are right around the corner and a lot of stuff happening. So once it's all like, we'll, we'll have a definitely another update at the end of the month. And I'm going to definitely do an episode, my little man who I love so much. I'm going to do an episode on him. That's it. That's all folks. That's what we got for October. How'd you like that? love it well thank you as always for having me on it's always so much fun yeah maybe november we'll do another uh hang and we'll get to do it in person yeah all right well i'll talk to you soon and until next time bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of the wine and cheese my podcast for more information on today's guest please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chismet on our website, thewineandchismetpodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Chismet on Instagram and at the Wine and Chismet Podcast on Remember, if you want to hear more wine and cheese, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.